Rich has teased me about this relentlessly, <laughs> but I've always kept 30 days supply of anything in our house. Good so man. I don't want to say I told you so to the world. But, <laughs> <laughs> but is there a slight feeling of smugness now, Matt? Just a slight one? But as everybody else has run out of basic supplies, you know, milk, bread, eggs, toilet paper, I just sit back and watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life. Conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Whatever life throws at us is particularly poignant today because life has thrown us a massive curveball. Actually, it feels more like about 20 curveballs in the in the proper sense of the American baseball theme that we're all standing here in the plate getting pounded by curveballs at the moment. This is a conversation about life in the world where the world has gone nuts. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by two experts in that American analogy of the curveball, Rich Budd and Sean Costello. Welcome, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Joining us, of course, from the appropriate distance for social distancing. I think uh, with the escalation of social distancing, it started with <laughs> one meter, it's gone to 10 meters, and now we've basically made it the Pacific Ocean. So <laughs> the entire <laughs> distance <laughs> from here to there. Before we get started, just a reminder to everyone uh, that if you like the show, you'd like to provide us a review on iTunes, but most of all, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way you won't miss an episode. And I should say, that you should also check in on the Armchair Catholic if you haven't recently, because they cunningly have released a comeback episode. And I was just waiting for some sort of all of the usual sort of comeback analogies to come out. Um, you know, the the re reunion concerts and all those kinds of things. But you, you guys <laughs> dropped the ball there. You're going to have to do that next time around. <laughs> well, so. Truth is, we were just bored. <laughs> <laughs> I just so it wasn't a public Sunday. service at all, was it? It wasn't a public <laughs> service at all. It wasn't anything to do with anyone else. Like, Let's get back together with the old guys and then have a, yeah. have a good time. I just sent a text message one day. I said, hey, I'm bored. Do you want to get the band back together? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the ultimate uh, the ultimate time to use those grabs from the Blues Brothers, mate. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You see, ma'am, this is a holy thing. <laughs> We're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God, yeah. <laughs> Every time I try to slip out, they pull me back in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Godfather. Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, man, the classic vocations are going down today. All right. In terms of um, what we could talk about, you guys have gotten the band back together in the Armchair Catholic. Now, uh, I feel a little bit guilty about that because I think uh, I came on your show and the thing died within one episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, about so, a, it was about that. Well, we ended on top. I mean, we were at a, you know, we were still climbing and our, our listener was, you know. Yeah, we were definitely at the. We were definitely yep. at the top of our game when we we walked away. So right, and it's and clearly, you know, God is not happy with you walking away. He sent plagues. <laughs> um. <laughs> God wanted it so badly. He said, yeah. "COVID I have to world. start a plague. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I'm. I'm teaching. Uh, I'm very fortunate with my job that uh, I can go online. The university uh, of Notre Dame in Sydney, Australia, has very quickly transitioned to being online delivery and I'm teaching a unit on the prophets so we're going through all of the prophets at the moment and you know all of the things that God does to get people's attention I wonder about this though I mean what's life like in terms of um 
America. In Australia, we have peculiar circumstances. We're so far away, we have the isolation policy in place just by being where we are in some respects. But what's it been like for you guys? Have people, um, has it changed much in a week, uh, you know, from week to week for you guys? I would say where we live in Michigan, uh, it it changed very rapidly. We right. went from uh, zero cases in our state to in about 10 days, we've now have over 2,000 and with about 40 deaths. Right. So in a matter of 10 days, it was a, it was a problem everybody else was dealing with To Now we're all um, at home. Our governor has declared a, a state of staying at home and uh, there's actual fines if you're away from home and you don't have a good reason. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it escalated pretty quickly. See, that, that's an interesting thing to interpret, isn't it? Having a good reason. See, I'm a, a bit of an extrovert in some ways, and my wife's an introvert. So for her and I, a good reason is a different category. Like for her, a good reason of going out of the house is we're going to starve to death. If we don't, <laughs> we don't leave. For me, a good reason is well, there's football on. <laughs> so, well, we don't even have that. All sports have been shut down. <laughs> yeah, they, they played the first game of our season of AFL with no crowds. So uh, a game, I think I was showing you games last time I was on, but mm-hmm. the game, the opening game of the season, which would between Richmond and Carlton, which would normally have 80,000 people at the ground, it was played with an empty stadium. And then they played the entire round out, but as almost immediately they had to cancel the entire season. I think, I mean, they might reassess it later on, but to be honest, anyone who's looking at the numbers with any kind of realism um, knows we're in this for a longer haul mm-hmm. and it happened it came upon many of us very quickly being a pessimist I was uh, a little bit ahead of the curve on that but um, not much not much to be honest well the good news is our president is convinced it's over by Easter so <laughs> that was a joke yeah <laughs> I don't mean any disrespect to your country but I I'm do. not I do. sure <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> That his um his latest utterance is the most reliable guide to um, I don't know reality, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we we had some of our sports leagues were planning on the same thing where they would just play their games without crowds, but then right. a player came down with the virus, and all of a sudden they realized oh wait having a bunch of sweaty guys running into each other might not be the best way to contain a virus yeah and part of the problem is that people are saying I'm not sick so I can go out but, and mm-hmm. and I'm not likely to die so I can go out but. In fact, it's it's not limited to older people, although it does hit them harder. And the other problem is, is of course, you don't know you're spreading it because there's two weeks, up to two weeks of uh, non-symptomatic, so the incubation period. So who knows who you spread it to? And we've only been in lockdown for you know a week officially here in Sydney, so who knows who's still going to be getting it because they met someone a week ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I wonder we had St. Patrick's Day just a few days after it started here in, in uh, Michigan. Uh, and so I wonder, the bars were full that, that weekend. And so I wonder how much that contributed to the virus spreading so quickly here. Yeah. In Australia, they, they announced the shutdown and social isolation and then trusted us all to be competent with it. And then um, Bondi Beach was absolutely packed mm-hmm. the next day. And it's oh, very hard to take a cold, a flu, very seriously when you're in in Australia at the tail end of summer and people are out on the beach. Well, we had all our college kids. It's officially we call it spring break, 
and they're all down in Florida and in the Texas Gulf Coast and just, I mean, it was wall-to-wall kids. Yeah. And, and there's the famous sort of interviews they're doing with the various ones. They did the same here in Australia. The kids are going, oh, why do we care? We're not going to die from it kind of thing. But it's, um, I mean, the different, it's interesting the different countries, the way they're, they're dealing with it. Germany seems to have gotten some reasonable numbers back um, in the sense that their health system seems to be standing up much better than other countries. But they they seem to do what they're told. Like the government says, stop it. <laughs> and they will say, right, okay. Whereas you try and tell Australians what to do and um, – we're reasonably cynical about authority here and uh, we tend to say, yeah, whatever, um, and keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know what it's like in the States, but my impression of you from looking from afar is that people aren't really keen to obey the government at all times. Is that a that's, fair comment? That's an understatement. Um, well, I mean, it, it depends on and who's in charge at that time, that's right? Because we only have two parties, so it's if your tribe. Yeah, if your tribe is in charge, well, then you believe everything they say. If it's not, then they're the devil and can't be trusted. So, are there tribeless Americans? Because it seems we're only getting the loudest noise from each tribe down here. I consider myself tribeless. Um, I think, right. without speaking for you, Sean, I think you're probably in the same boat. No, I have a tribe. It's called being Catholic. Oh, okay. Well, oh, right. fair enough. Fair enough. I want to be in that tribe too. I want to be in that tribe too. You know, I, I still hold neither party holds to a what would be a truly Catholic platform. No. And I, I'm a man without a country. I got no place to be. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's ever been the case that we've had been, if you were claiming to be faithful to all of the Catholic teachings, whether or not you'd ever find a political party that would line up perfectly with that. I don't um, think you could in the United States. Can't speak mm. for other places. Oh, we certainly haven't got one here. We, we had um, a long time ago. We had a kind of a, a breakaway from one of our major parties, which seemed to be more in keeping with the Catholic social teaching. But it mostly has died out of any serious contention. And the uh, at the time it was big and it had influence, but it's mostly not insignificant now. And now we're back to having pretty much um, the standard sort of left-right politics. If we can, I mean, without getting into your election and, and all of the stuff in it, because most of it's been shut down, the whole left-right thing, um, let's just comment on that generally speaking. The trouble is, I, at least as far as I can tell from here, and certainly it's true in Australia, but the, what people are calling left and right isn't really um, the same thing as liberal or conservative or anything like that these days. Well, nobody knows what those terms mean anymore. That's right. I mean, in a classical sense of liberalism, We've, we've totally flip-flopped the terms. Yeah, yeah. So well, let's let's play with that a little bit. What would a, a conservative actually conserve if they were being a genuine conservative? Well, according to the, the what I would call the nouveau or the new American version of that, a conservative is a belief in smaller government, fiscal responsibility, um, kind of as these two pillars. Right. Uh, and a moral conservative usually as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, with uh, uh, the liberal bend being more on the progressive side of things with the belief that the government, you know, a large government is a better way to go that's going to solve all our problems. What do you reckon, Rich? I think that's pretty fair. Uh, I would say as far as you classifying the moral conservative, it, uh, on certain issues, you know, the issues of uh, abortion or um, gender th- ideologies or homosexuality or things like that, sure, morally conservative. But morally conservative in um you know 
just distri- distribution of goods and things like that, maybe not so much. Um, so, <laughs> but surely conser- conservation, the the idea of conservation, just as a concept, implies that you've had something and you're trying to preserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that implies you there's some historical activity or principle or value or something that you're you're trying to bring or at least preserve because it's good for your your community or your nation. But when when people talk about those fiscal policies which are so-called conservative, I think actually that's they're reasonably recent developments and they seem to serve a very small and wealthy part of the community more than anybody else. To, to, to sort of, it seems to have been a massive propaganda win to label them as if they were conserving anything other than people's wealth. I wonder, I mean, another one, if I can push it a different direction, the sexual ethics issue uh, keeps coming up, except that it tends to be fought out, at least on social media, along the lines of peripherals. So so you tend to be fighting about what sort of dresses people should wear. At least I, I, I get a kick out of looking at the more ridiculous sites sometimes. But they're arguing about whether dresses should come above the knee or below the knee kind of thing. But when I'm reading the Song of Songs, it wouldn't fall into the socially conservative end of politics at the moment. It's just radically erotic and radically out there and um, astoundingly joyful about sexuality. And um, and all the friends are joining in, the, the newlyweds, trying to get excited about this thing. It's It's quite a powerful thing, and yet it wouldn't, so I'm wondering if they're talking about conserving something, what is it? What era are we talking about that we're conserving? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced we really understand what we're, what conservative even means. No, and I and I honestly think it's shifting pretty constantly. Um, once you think you've got it nailed down, the the lines move, and so uh, that's why Sean says, you know, we're kind of a. I'll be in the Catholic tribe and, uh, <laughs> and uh, may not have a party to, to kind of lean into. Mm. But I mean, just with it, leaving the political parties aside, do you think social lines divide down the same thing or is it just when you vote? Well, I think very much it divides, at least in the United States, you know, people are, I hate to say this, but it's become more and more partisan. It seems like every right. year. And it's almost like watching people root for sports teams. Oh, yeah. wow. This is my side of it. And, it, I really hope one of the things that will come out of this sequestering in everybody's homes is a, a growth in empathy and a willingness to listen to others because that's what's really lacking and we see it getting worse and worse. Yeah, And maybe it's magnified because it's an election year here, but it's certainly a major problem. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, in your, your election year is just, I mean, it really is a year. You, know, you don't just have an election, you have an entire almost like a year-long festival of, of um, amazing craziness that goes before that. Having well, said that, though. because it used to be entertainment. I mean, <laughs> uh, we pride ourselves in the debate. So if you know Abraham Lincoln, for example, uh, for he and, Link, and uh, a gentleman named Douglas debated for a year and a half, and they traveled the country. And, you know, people pack picnic baskets and spend all day listening to these yep. two guys debate. Yeah, well, they'd go. They'd go from. I saw one story of um, Lincoln showing up to a town, and he did a full day of presentation of his views, and then yeah. the, his opponent does a full day, and then they had a kind of a Q and A on the third day. I'm. I think you'd be struggling to get people to listen for an hour these days. Oh, well, our debates now they've got 13 people on stage, and they get 30 seconds to give an answer. And it, I mean, it's not really a debate; it's just uh, sound bites. Yeah, it's bumper sticker advertisement. Mm. You know. 
And how do you listen to that kind of thing and be entertained by it and then say, that's the leader of the free world that we want to pick? Um, <laughs> just, what? It's just a blowing your mind thing. Leaving that aside, though, in terms of social structures, in Australia I would say that a fair range of my my friends wouldn't share my views either of faith or, or um, politics or anything, and yet we just more or less get on with it. Um, and we might disagree, and generally speaking, that might come down to Aussies not talking about religion and politics at barbecues except for yours truly who does it all the time and gets in trouble all the time but um do you guys i mean is it is there a taboo on talking about religion and politics or do you just get into it i think uh to be honest i think that we've gotten to the point of polarization where most people wouldn't be able to say the same thing peter that you know they've got a lot of friends that don't agree with them right you know you might have uh you might have connections on Facebook or something like that, you know, that you kind of feel obligated to because they're, you know, your cousin or your family member <laughs> or something. And you got to put up with them posting about the opposite political party all the time until you can't take it anymore. And then you you attack them online. That is. Um, but I don't see a whole lot of evidence that people socialize outside their viewpoint. Uh, Sean, right. I don't know. What do you think? No, I would agree. I think social media has changed everything. You know, it's amazing to me in this Facebook, Twitter culture. I can't speak to you guys, but I run into people virtually that I haven't seen in 20 years. Right. And what saddens me so greatly is how I had actually really fond memories of them when I interacted 20 years ago with them. And then I watched them just eviscerate somebody online. And it totally ruins my fond memories of them. Yeah. And in some yeah, respects... It, it's made me hate it. In some respects, um, when you're in person, you, you're you less likely... I mean, people still do it, uh, but you're less likely to be mean to someone, even if you disagree with them, because you still have to deal with them. You're, they're still in the party. You've got to you know, share a, share a barbecue. You've got to, got to hang around a bit. But more importantly, um, if I say something in certain company it might be understood in its proper context. But when I'm on Facebook or something, I say it to a particular, in response to a particular person, and then everybody who's ever known me hears it, if you like, and then then they react from their particular perspective. So if it's if I'm the guy you only met 20 years ago and suddenly you, you react to somebody else, then they're hearing it with all that 20-year gap and that's all they've got, yeah. then of course they're going to react. It's, it's a crazy thing. That's the negative side of social media, but let's talk a little bit about the positive. We're here having a chat when we're all literally stuck in our houses. Um, bought how the front end boarded up for the fear of the plague, and sure. and we're able to have a genuine chat when a drink with friends. That's got to be a positive, surely. Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing: I look at social media like a tool. My father was in construction; he built all these things. You know, a table saw is a tremendous gift, but if you don't know how to use it correctly. You can kill yourself, right? I mean, you can cause major damage. And I think this it sounds is like you're speaking happened. from experience. <laughs> My dad's nickname is Eight Fingered Bill, oh. but I'll save you. <laughs> I'm just wondering but how honestly, many times he had to change his name along this. <laughs> I think this tool came along with no directions, and people didn't know how to use it correctly. And if you don't know how to use a tool well, you can really do damage. Yeah. It's the the line from Jurassic Park. Who's it? Is it? Um, who's the guy who says that? The scientist. We were so busy thinking about what we could do, we didn't think about whether we should. 
Yeah. Jeff um, Goldblum. There you that. go. There you go. <laughs> I can't remember the name of his character. So. Nor I. It wasn't that good a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Rich. Aren't you a little old for dinosaurs? No way. <laughs> uh, it's funny watching my kids get into the classics. I, I They usually groan when I say, oh, come on, we're going to see a classic because that has in the past included movies um, like The Last Starfighter when they looked at me and went, oh. really? You guys like this? I mean, seriously? <laughs> I can't imagine that one holding up. It didn't. It, pre- it didn't. It was awful. I was watching it cringing, th- thinking this has just destroyed my 14-year-old self, you know. Just- <laughs> <laughs> I remember that as a kid too, just yeah. really enjoying that film. It was great at the time. It was just after Star Wars, I think, it came out. So it yeah. was, yeah, that kind of thing. But and the ability, one of the other things the internet's given us is the ability to go back really, really accurately to the to things in the past and have a good look at them. I mean, some of the things I used to do, we used to religiously, and I say that word advisedly, watch the Blues Brothers and and movies like The Lost the Boys. The South Side of Chicago. Yeah, and, and these sorts of things all the time. And then when I watch them, I think, gee whiz, what were the movies like back then? Um, you know, there's some really, really good lines in them, but, oh, man, it's cringeworthy in some spots. <laughs> it's just... But you don't remember those. You just remember those lines. Yeah, it's kind of like right? watching watching Monty Python. It's actually cringeworthy, but the <laughs> quoting it's much more fun than watching it. <laughs> See, I thought when you mentioned going back in history, I thought you meant going into your Facebook history where they remind oh. you what. And you say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I actually said that. Delete, delete, delete. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Or, I mean, in, in some cases, it's, um, I mean, Facebook's got a, algorithms, of course, to do this, but um, it can get quite serious. I mean, I, I wonder what our Facebook memories are going to throw up about this year when we, you know, 10 years time, and we won't want to be remembering some of the things. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, it was uh, six years ago, my son was in intensive care app, having just been born, and it was a horrible time. And my Facebook's remembering posts based on how many people reacted to it. And, you know, lots of people were praying for him. So it keeps throwing pictures up of him with wires coming out of him and all kinds of things. And I'm thinking, I don't want to remember that. I, that's that's a part of my memory I don't need. It's vividly burned there. I don't need to see it again. So in some respects, I'd rather the memory was up here, not not out there. I don't know about you guys, but in a, we did the same in our wedding. We didn't video it. Um, oh, and I mean, admittedly, I was born shortly after the Tyrannosaurus Rex went extinct, but <laughs> <laughs> it it was an option um, to to be video. They had to get a little mouse to pedal the the wheels, but it was um <laughs> basically it was an option to video, and we said no because we wanted the memories to be mostly in our heads. Now we have some photos, of course, um, and but we're able to talk to those photos and talk to our kids through the story of it. And we've found that as much more valuable than simply watching a video. And I'm watching now there's people who've documented so much of an event that most of their time at the event seems to have been spent behind the camera. Oh yeah. It's like when we saw Pope, the difference between Pope John Paul II being elected and Pope Francis is that Pope Francis's election, you see the square and the entire square is full of screens pointing up at the <laughs> yeah. at the smoke. You know? Exactly. Yeah, I was just going to mention that one. It's is striking it? when you see the two pictures against each other. Even, but you don't even have to go as far back as John Paul II. You just do Pope Benedict and yep. Pope Francis. Yep. And it's and one they're all looking up at him, and the other one they're all looking at their screen. There's, there's an author, Wendy Shallot, who's a, a, a practicing Jew, and she commented once that. Her kids, she was bemoaning the fact that her kids look the cutest on the Sabbath when they're all dressed up um, and she's not allowed to take photos. 
and that she realized the Sabbath is so much more awesome precisely because she's not taking photos, that she's actually just living it. She's just there. She's being present with them. Um, and in some respects, uh, we're being present to each other now through technology, but in some respects, if we make technology the only way we're present to each other, that becomes a real problem. So what about just the whole shut-in thing? I mean, people, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's people in the States uh, there's this one guy with the big bunker and the and the you know he's dug the air raid shelter and he's got all this stuff and he's he's really frustrated now that he can't tell everyone I told you so. <laughs> I don't know. Sean Sean has a podcast. So it's true. It's, now, for the record, I've never had a bomb shelter. I have, I have lived my life with a belief, and it also I know when it stemmed when I was a little boy. We had this huge ice storm in Michigan, and we lost power for about a week. And it was really difficult on because you know it's middle of winter, you have no power. It was it was a difficult time, and in my family we had ten children, so it was just it was kind of an amazing time, and it really stuck with me. And so I've always lived, and Rich has teased me about this relentlessly, <laughs> but I've always kept thirty days supply of anything in our house. Good so man. I don't want to say I told you so to the world. But, <laughs> but is there a slight feeling of smugness now, Matt? Just a slight one? But as everybody else has run out of basic supplies, you know, milk, bread, eggs, toilet paper, I just sit back and watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There you go. What do you think, Rich? Is there, are there the survivalists right about this or...? Well, yeah, I think there's a certain amount of uh, prudent stores that you should have on hand for any sort of emergency. Um, I think 30 days falls under prudent. <laughs> we, you know, there's the, that's the thing about prudence. It, it kind of shifts depending on the person or the circumstance. It's uh, a moving target. So I don't know if I might do 30 days. Uh, but, um, I, yeah, I think it's, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a financial personality here in the United States. I don't know if you've seen him down there, uh, Dave, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. he talks about, um, you know, there's, you don't have to agree with everything he says, but one of his big things is, uh, to reduce risk right. financially. And so a lot of his advice is to reduce the amount of risk you have. And I think, you know, after people went through the great depression, uh, they were the, they were the generation that saved their money they, they were always prepared and I we may end up having another generation like that now uh, it, that could, people, it could be the case I, th I think we're all a bit more jumpy about it we relied on our supply chains and suddenly we we don't have the same reliable in Australia I don't know if you've seen but the toilet paper thing went nuts here um, oh yeah it was the same here I'm glad we're not alone <laughs> I mean, people I mean, walking honestly, out of the store people walking out of the store with a pallet full of, of toilet paper yeah I saw someone put 400 rolls of toilet paper into a little hatchback and thinking, my goodness, yeah, some butts would you obviously need more, need more attention. Yeah. <laughs> if you know the story of St. Clair of Assisi, right? She's the patron saint of television. And the reason is, is because towards the end of her life, she got very, very ill. And it was around Easter. And so the Easter Vigil Mass was going to take place. I remember she this couldn't. One. She was bedridden. So she could see the Mass. God gave her this blessing. She could see the mass through the wall, like it was projected onto the wall. 
so she could see the mass. 1080p it or was it in 4K? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know how God formatted it. I don't know if it was Blu-ray. I don't know what satellites linked up. God knows what he's doing. But honestly, I kind of, that's immediately what came into my mind as we all started watching mass through computer screens or through our televisions. Uh, that's where it landed. In some <laughs> respects, it, in some respects, it may um, push forward some of the the progress that we might be able to have in terms of the way we connect and the way we evangelize. I don't know about you guys. I'm sure you're well ahead of the curve there. But in some respects, it's it's been very difficult to get Christians to think about the wild west of the internet and and how we can actually get into that zone and do amazing things. Like when I suggested. When I told my kids I was doing a podcast, they mostly said, "Oh, really? Podcast? That's so yesterday." And the listeners, really? yeah, I was thinking, "Yeah, this is this is happening." No, they are um, they're they're doing things on YouTube and and you know, all kinds of other, I think TikToks and things like this. My kids oh, aren't big. in that at all, but they're all their their peers are doing that, and I'm not keen on that. But my point is is that when you try and sell this and maybe you guys can tell the story of how you how you came about your own podcast when you tried to sell it to a diocese when i tried to sell it to the diocese i had to get over firstly the questions wait what what's a podcast and uh and who's going to listen to this what channel is it on do you you know that kind of thing so how did you guys get started like that I took out for a beer because all business in the church takes place over a beer at least <laughs> in the american church uh that the head of our chancery and then our uh, basically head of finance. And to, basically to pitch the idea, uh, Craig Pohl and I sat down with them and basically said, you know, we're thinking Rich Bud, Craig and I were thinking of doing this podcast and boy, there's going to be some startup costs. Wouldn't it be helpful if we could do this for the diocese? And we really felt the prompting of the spirit because it, it really did just kind of spark up. I don't know. Rich, I don't know how else to say it. It just happened one yeah. day. Mm -hmm. um, and they literally, that. so the head of the chancery looked at me and goes, what's a podcast? <laughs> and so I explained to him, you know, it's like a, when you listen to the radio, imagine that, but only it would be through the internet. And he's like, oh, it's a terrible idea. Nobody's going to listen to that. <laughs> I'm like, well, there are podcasts like millions of people listen to. And uh, he's like, no, we're not funding that. And that's yeah. why we just decided to go off on our own. Yeah. And now the diocese has a podcast. That's <laughs> <Exactly>. the irony. <laughs> like two like, or three years later, now they've got a podcast. Well, they, that was the funny thing is they came up alongside us like, wow, you guys got all these listeners. This is really great. And <laughs> Rich made it very clear. Oh, no, this is not a diocese <laughs> podcast. <laughs> there, were, there were a few staff meetings in which there were suggestions made that we should promote certain uh, initiatives the diocesan through, uh, podcast and i was like uh i did it as respectfully as i could yeah <laughs> and i said uh this is not uh for the use of the diocese <laughs> also or you can say things on a podcast that's just your personal opinion that sure. you might not be able to say on a diocesan podcast yeah. you know mm -hmm. if you're official then you, you there's limitations this one we're talking on now is an official podcast of the archdiocese oh i better watch um, what i say then no, don't worry. They'll watch it for you. Um, <laughs> you can trust that. But the um, the so in other words, there's certain there's certain uh, standards that they have a particular view about. Now, again, um, whether or not 
uh, I think they're good or not, that's irrelevant. It's there, you know, it's from that particular perspective. If I'm doing it privately as a Catholic, just an individual Catholic, I can I can sort of cut loose. But I'm talking more about other things, not just the podcast. I mean, we've been talking about selling things, different kinds of ways of getting the message across for some time, but it's very difficult to get people to see the value of it until, if you like, they're literally locked in their homes and there's no other way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and we can, well, we can pitch it to them. That's kind of why we started back up. It was the idea of, I can't speak for Rich and Craig, but I had a bunch of people approach us like, boy, I missed that podcast. Yeah, yeah. But when Rich reached out, he's like, let's get the band back together. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I must say I was very grateful to see it come back up. You you guys used to be part of my week um, and selfishly help went, did other things. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but the th- sort of thing I'm talking about here is that there's there's some um, a Catholic creatives group down down under here, and they're coming up with amazing things. You got you've got animations, you've got artwork, you've got um, you know audio stuff, you've got poetry. There's all kinds of ways in which we can be more you know bringing the Catholic just an, a good culture. It doesn't have to be Catholic culture in a, in a sort of a label way. Uh, just good Catholics doing culture and promote that as as a positive view of. Um, life, you know, in, in in a wholesome sense, it's really difficult to get people to think about it that way because they're still locked into the old ways of this is the way the parish works, this is what we do. Oh, we've got a thing with youth. Then we'll hire a youth minister and then blame them for everything. That's right. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, sorry, that was. And I look that, at this whole virus thing. I mean, Peter, quite honestly, you know, the Holy Spirit gets what the Holy Spirit wants, and we can either be. Uh, supportive of that and docile to the spirit or we can fight it right he's going to win out in the end (laughs) we've got to be careful about saying that because uh there might be a hidden implication there that the holy spirit's gone right i'm gonna hit him hard (laughs) well that's true god doesn't do evil um (laughs) to achieve good uh but he can work good from the evil that happens Exactly. yeah well you know i i uh we're in that situation now where we're trying to help parishes who have resisted arriving at 1995 um, to <laughs> to start. Um, what was wrong with 95? <laughs> it was it was when we first when my family first got a personal computer. That's what happened. Right? <laughs> 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 um, and so. Uh, they're they're scrambling to try to set up things like online giving platforms so that people can still give their tithing uh, online um but so not only are we trying to like set up those programs but also teach people how to use them how to do live stream masses how to connect online to keep the community built up uh, while everybody's staying at home we have um in the church i go to they have tap and go um donation so you can if you want to tap the $25 one over here or the $3 one near the candles or you know there's a kind of a, a setup like that it's not been taken up it's only still fairly new but you still I mean my online giving is sorry my giving is online I I just it just comes straight out of my salary as a first choice thing but that's not frequent in Australia so there's a real danger at the moment that the um the people who rely on uh, the live events like Clearly, the mass is the, is one of the ones where the, the priest's living comes from, and the deacons, I'm guessing, but also um, 
I have a couple of friends who are public speakers and they're all their events have been cancelled. Um, there's been a couple of comedians in Australia who, who all their gigs have been cancelled. So they've been posting very amusing YouTube videos of um, to all their debtors. You'll get your money, I promise. <laughs> it's the kind of, maybe we could talk a bit about laughter. We've, we've been having a good laugh today, but laughing in the face of um, disaster or crisis or, or a, you know, world events, how important is that in, and how Catholic is it? Like, should we be all somber? Really I think it's really Catholic because we have the end of the story. Yeah. And we know that no matter, even if you kill me, I'm going to end up good. Okay. What's the worst you can do? Send me to heaven. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so even if I get, you know, even if I get the coronavirus and I get uh, the worst case yeah. scenario, uh, if I'm in a state of grace, I'm going to be, uh, end up in the, in the arms of Jesus. So, um, it doesn't make you flippant about the concerns of life, but I think it, it allows you to approach it with a certain levity that you might not all otherwise have if this is all that you've got to look forward to in this life. No, yeah. I agree, right? The, the reason for the global panic is because nobody's thinking eternally. If we have our eye on Christ, we have our eye on eternity. Yeah, this is this is a terrible time and you got to weather the storm, but the storm's going to pass. All right, if even if the, you are a casualty. I'll play the devil's so I, advocate a bit here, Sean. Um, eternity's great, and I'm not afraid of dying personally. I'm scared of watching relatives die, but um, I'm not afraid of dying myself. But God's not going to wipe my butt. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I still got to sure. get. To, I've still got to find supplies to. You know, there's there's a there's a, a moderate and prudent amount of uh, not panic, but planning and, and effort, if you like. To oh, absolutely myself. right. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is that there can't be a resurrection without a cross, and mm. there can't be a cross without carrying it. Yeah, And that's the truth of it is we have to recognize that life is going to have burdens on occasion. Yeah. And that's, you know, St. Paul said, what wasn't it St. Paul? We will know we were Christians by our joy. Yeah. Knowing, knowing the end of the story doesn't mean you ignore the content of the story. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like skipping to the end to read the (laughs) book. Exactly. I mean, we know that, uh, I mean, you know, I always go back to, uh, the, the Lord of the Rings, you know. Oh, come on. Get a better analogy. Overplayed. Overplayed. <laughs> All right. I, go to, Catholic goes to I Lord don't of think the you can overplay Lord of the I Rings. I go to Jurassic Park. <laughs> 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 Let me guess. The next one's C.S. Lewis. No. No, no. Kids books. But no, I mean, if you think about what what Frodo and Sam had to, uh, and the rest of the, of the, the crew there, had to go through. Uh, to sure. get to the end of the story, they each had their own um, pain and suffering that they had to endure uh, to get to to achieve the great end of destroying the ring and and the evil power. So that's probably a good an- analogy in many respects because in, the ring's temptation affected every major character in the in the movies. Uh, sorry, in the book. Sorry, uh, let's ignore the movies. Um, <laughs> but the in terms of the books, they every character had a test, and their mm-hmm. test was never to be evil their test was to take this very powerful object and use it for what the the thing they were most passionate about the good that they were most passionate about and that they you know in other words to do evil to achieve the good exactly. and the greater the power of this evil the more potential good i could do but 
the ones who passed the test were the ones who realized even doing good in an evil way is not it's not a good enough reason mm. um so whatever goods we're searching for in this particular time we, we're tempted to cut the corners we're tempted to do something that's not morally right and that's just never going to be good it doesn't matter how good our end is if our means aren't good too but the other thing about that that um the books that i wanted to bring up is that even when they'd won even when it was all over in the sense of the main plot in the books they still go back and have to mop up the disaster oh, yeah that's back in the shire mm-hmm. like the shire has been profoundly affected by this and they have to go back and do the hard yards it didn't work in the movie because you know the hollywood ending kind of thing but in order the the mess that these sort of things make there's still going to be a lot of down down getting your your hands dirty getting involved and fixing up and and building it back up that's where most catholics real catholics shine and the church has always gone into the disasters and the disastrous situations in all kinds of countries and shone in the way we've responded to this kind of crisis. Um, this is our chance. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, I, I teach kids, and right now schools have all been closed across the United States. So we're doing all this online stuff and getting kids into like a, a virtual classroom. So we have these kind of conference calls. Yep. And, uh, you know, kids are talking about all the stuff they're missing, and there's a lot of negativity. And what I remind them about is listen, for most of you, you know, 50 years from now, you're going to be telling your grandchildren stories about living through a pandemic. You get to decide right now what those stories are going to be. And what they say the about you. Exactly. You know, don't yep. waste this opportunity. And that's a word they were shocked to hear Yeah. in regards to this whole thing. It's an opportunity. It really yep. is. We find out whether or not we were just pretending to be good or whether we're actually good when the ships are down. Because it's easy to be good when everything's fine, but it's not so easy when when the chips are down. Coming back to that, that whole thing online, I was joking with friends about the fact that um, uh, online learning, you know, that, that some universities had classrooms in a game called or a platform called Second Life, which is a kind of a where you have oh, an sure. avatar and run around. So mm-hmm. the University of, I think it was in Western Australia, had one like an, a virtual classroom. And I joked that uh, one day I'd love to hold lectures in World of Warcraft. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an orc. <laughs> um, and and now, you know, I mean, apart from the fact people would have to buy the, the, the game to, to get into it or at least through the free versions, it actually would be kind of fun because most of the online platforms are extraordinarily boring. <laughs> get them in the world of Warcraft and say, all right, we're going to learn about uh, cooperation and uh, <laughs> and sharing. If we've got 30 pieces of loot and there's five people in our group, how many people get the loot? You know, <laughs> <It's kind> of... <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway. All righty. Um, probably... Unless we have something else to go, that's probably it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with your podcast device, let us know. You can subscribe at thiscatholiclife.com.au or drop us a line at info at thiscatholiclife.com.au. Catch up with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord. Remember, this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and our American correspondents are very much welcome and uh, hopefully we'll keep in touch with you guys (laughs) along the way. But we think this is an idea worth getting behind and worth emulating. So, if guys, if you're in New Zealand or around the world, you know, set up a local talk talk fest, get involved, and t- tell the world about how great it is to be a Catholic in this world, no matter what comes along. 
It's time for shout outs, guys. I got to shout out my wife because, again, I've got a three year old and a one year old in this house, and she's with them nonstop. And, uh, <laughs> and now you're finding a, out exactly what that means. It's amazing <laughs> how much she does throughout the day. I'm going to shout out uh, my goddaughter, Krista Marie. Uh, she's trying to plan a wedding for May 2nd. and uh, Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, she's, she's having to make some very difficult decisions right now. About yeah. uh, So essentially, she's trying to decide if she wants to go through with uh, a wedding, which only includes her, um, her fiancé, her parents, and, and, the, and the witnesses, essentially, um, and then hold the party later. And... Uh, you know, I, I've been in contact with her and conversations with her, and she's really, she's really shown she has a beautiful heart uh, for the sacrament of matrimony, and and wants to uh, to witness to the beauty of the sacrament, uh, whether or not she can have a party. And so, she, she's she's working out what you know they're gonna do. So they haven't made a complete uh, a final decision yet. But it's just like Braveheart. Well, it's a little bit different than that. <laughs> I was going to say, did Braveheart have live streaming? <laughs> right. I'm going to shout out to all the people shut in. Um, I mean, I'm complaining about being in a house with lots of people, but there's a kind of a meme going around the internet that jokes about, they say, so it's a shut in. You have the choice A of staying with your family or choice B. And before they actually say what choice B is, the people go B. Pick B. <laughs> but um, I actually, I felt, I laughed at it, but I thought I'd, I would nearly kill me to be apart from my family at this time. And for, I want to shout out to those people who, for various reasons of geography, are apart from their loved ones and are feeling that. Stay, stay in touch with them and um, act on this impulse. Don't just let it be something that drives you now while we're shut in. Uh, help it, this, this to teach us a lesson about who and what matters and, and act on that. Uh, as we come out of this that's all for now thank you for listening to This Catholic Life Mm -hmm.